1: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Swinging a drive, right field and deep. That goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to Fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean.
2: You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 60. Pete Alonzo pounds the Cubs. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W 670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook or email us at Fly the W 670. At gmail.com. All right, Crowley, happy Thursday, I guess.
0: I was a lot happier before the Cubs went to New York.
2: <laughs> a lot happier indeed. All right, let's get after it because uh, Pete Alonzo, I know, Crowley, that you only pay attention to baseball for the most part. I know you're not a huge NFL guy. I guess he will go to a Super Bowl party if somebody's got a good spread or the right IPA. But um are you aware of Aaron Rodgers? You know who Aaron Rodgers is? I know right? who Aaron Rodgers. Okay, is, yeah. and, and he does the whole like he did the whole thing with like the World Wrestling Federation belt and told the fans, the bear fans at Soldier Field, I own you. Th- that's how I felt about Pete Alonso. Okay, I figured he's the next guy kind of doing the doing the the belt to the Cub fans. I own you. Okay. As we go through this, Crowley, he has now hit, I believe, 15, 15 career home runs against the Cubs. And he only plays the Cubs a limited amount of times compared to playing the other teams in the National League East.
0: Yeah. It was, it was absolutely, you know, just stunning. And, and what's even more stunning is that the Cubs couldn't figure out not to pitch to him. Uh, what more can we say about Drew Smiley? At this point, it's almost a guaranteed loss. He has a nine ERA in his last eight. Of appearances and this one was bad right from the get-go with two out and one on Pete Alonso hits a home run that was sky high carrying into the bleachers I thought it was going to get caught but it just kept sailing that guy just hits him just he just did the ball just travels when he hits him
2: yeah it just travels differently it sounds it sounds hard it sounds strong it's a sound you would want your favorite baseball player to make every time he touched the ball
0: Right, and then in the bottom of the third, right, you, you got one on and one out again for Pete Alonzo, and he hits a smiley knuckle curve. It's just sitting right in the middle of the plate, 423 feet. Well, with the Cubs' bullpen taxed after the series with Cincinnati and the Braves, Smiley had to eat some innings, and he ran out of gas in the bottom of the sixth when the first three Mets singled, and then he walked a batter with the bases loaded to make it 6-2. to two. Caleb Killian came in the game and got Brandon Nimmo to ground into a double play to make it seven to two. And then he got Francisco Alvarez to ground out to end the threat. I thought that was nice work for Killian, inheriting the bases loaded, no outs, and he only gave up one run. But to me, Dustin, my question is why? Like everybody saw this big storm coming, it's raining. Why waste them at this point of the time? Because you know the delay is going to be called. It's just a, you know, was it going to be a half an inning or a whole inning? That's all you were going to get out of that. Right. And so that's what happened. So I was just, to me, I was kind of dumbfounded they would use him in that situation.
2: You wonder what kind of, so, you know, baseball is so analytical now, right? We talk about that all the time. We've got, you know, numbers for everything. The The Cubs brag about um, how since Theo and Jed came aboard, how they, they changed all of that, right? They were no longer holding press conferences along with the pesticides anymore, things like that. So you wonder what they use. I'm, you know, I mean, do they have a direct line to skilling? We joked around about that off the air one time you and I right? exactly what is it that the Cubs use. And I believe all of that also, if I'm not mistaken, like the umpires are getting their information from some sort of meteorologist that's based in New York
0: right and 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 if 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 anyone's interested there is a good cubs twitter follow it's called cubs weather And it usually tells you what the weather is, where the Cubs are playing. It's one of my favorite follows because I just like to see what's happening. But like, how's it going to be in
2: Toronto with the, with the roof shut? With the doom, (laughs) with the
0: dome, right? I'll double check. But uh, I mean, I see this big giant blob and, and the umpiring crew, I'm not one to sit there and look, the Cubs have their own problems, but they don't need the umpires to kind of do that. The umpire crew is just awful in New York. And you know, the rain is coming down in buckets. The umps didn't cover the field. The mound's a mess. Kodai Senga comes out. They got this big lead. He slips while taking some practice pitches. It was completely mishandled. And I'll say one thing: Buck Showalter is lucky Sanga didn't get injured when he slipped in that seventh on that wet mound. That would have been a that would have been such a Met thing to happen, you know?
2: Yeah, that would have been so Mets the way their season has gone. I don't feel <laughs> sorry for them at all, but they uh, they uh, ruined the last couple of days for me. So that's how game one went down. Um, Buck show Walter out there. Um, how about a, the offense against Cody Senga? Because this was a guy, you know, Cody Senga was a guy that was on the Cubs radar and uh, I think the Cubs wanted to give him some money, but he decided to pick New York. Yep. If you can make
0: it there, you can make it anywhere. Uh, somebody the, famous once said, "Yeah." the offense was mystified by Cody Senga and his ghost fork ball. Nico and uh, Cody Bellinger seemed to hit him. Okay. But the rest of the Cubs hitters struggled uh, they had their share of opportunities, but struggled to get the big hit. They started the third with back-to-back singles, but Nico was called out on a very borderline pitch on a 3-2 count. And then former Cub Rafael Ortega robbed Ian Happ of a hit. Cody Bellinger will single and drive in the Cubs' first run. They're down only 3-1, but then when they were down 5-1, the Cubs had two on and two out for Cody Bellinger. He's going to single to left. He's going to score Nico – but Hap thought the throw was going to second, and he's rounding. He's gonna. He doesn't slide into third, and it looked like a cartoon. A slip on the base, flopped over. I thought he might have gotten hurt, and uh, that was the end of the threat. And the Cubs never did anything against K- Kodai or any of the bullpen pieces. Nico did go two for four, and Bellinger just staying hot as heck. Three and three with two RBIs. Yeah,
2: that guy has been absolutely smoking hot. I'm sure when we get to the hot knot that uh, Bellinger is going to make that list. All right, game number two, Jamison Tyone. Things have been going his way of late, taking on Carlos Carrasco.
0: Yeah, you know, we thought that the first game didn't look good on paper, and we thought the second game was going to be an easy one for the Cubs. jmo has been doing good. Carrasco's been doing bad. Thought the offense would bounce back. Nope not against uh, Carlos and his 660 ERA, but it was a weird start to the game. They had pitch con issues for like 15 minutes and nobody's saying anything to the announcers. To The umpires are mic'd up. They're not saying anything to the crowd like, hey, we're having this issue. We'll be a moment or something. And so we're all just kind of sitting there. Like I said, I, I just it was annoying to me. But
2: one of the things I joked around about on the air. So um, again, in the NFL, when the communication doesn't work in the helmets, both teams are not allowed to use the, the helmets that day, whatever their, you know, fancy pitch com word is it for them. Um, here's how I feel. If the Cubs pitch com is working and they're the road team in this situation and the home team's is not, well, too bad for you. You're the home team. Get your IT straight and and, and do better. Okay? <laughs> right? So if the Cubs pitch com, if the road team's pitch com is working and the home team's pitch
0: com is not, too bad. Too bad. Right. You uh, don't get to use it. Yeah. And, and it's funny because it's like – People, I think we're one day going to get to a point where people don't even know how to throw signals down anymore, right? Well, right, right.
2: It's like, <laughs> you know, it's, like it's like texting now, right? Like people can't have
0: a conversation because all we do is text. Right. So the game started similar to the first game in the series with two, one on and two outs. Pete Alonzo hit another home run to make it two to nothing. For those of you keeping track at home, that's three and two games. Um, Daniel Vogelbach was hitting right behind him, but apparently they wanted to try their luck with Alonzo. But after that, Tyone settled down and he only gave up one more hit in seven innings. He retired the next 16 batters. He faced, he looked excellent.
2: Yeah, that's awfully good. No doubt about that. So uh, Tyone, another nice start for the Cubs putting it together. So how did the Cubs get back into this one?
0: Yeah, they, because Tyone let them, you know, they start slowly coming back in the fourth inning. Who else? But Cody Bellinger hits a solo home run to cut the Mets lead in half. Then Christopher Morell led off the fifth inning with a walk. Jan Gomes tied it up by hitting an RBI double. The next batter, Nick Madrigal, reached on a fielder's choice, but Gomes was thrown out at third, trying an Elmago slide. He tried pulling his foot back. I, I, I thought it's funny a catcher trying to pull that. And then later on that inning, Nick Madrigal is picked off. So two base running mistakes in that inning. But the game was still tied at two when Mike Talkman, the pride of Palatine, hit a solo home run to put the Cubs up. Three to two. We just cannot say enough about that guy. The Mets had two on and two outs in the eighth, but Julian Merriweather got out of a jam, and Albert Alzali ends the game on a 1-6-3 double play. Talkman two for three with a homer. Candelario two for four. Gomes two for four with an RBI. And Cody Bellinger with that solo home run. But again, the the story of this game was Tyone. last time he pitched this well was also in New York against the Yankees. Crowley, any
2: truth to the rumor that Daniel Vogelbach is still trying to make it from home to first? He was the one that grounded <laughs> out to Al's Lye for that double play to end the game. I'm just, he
0: is one beefy boy. I, I will tell you that he is one beefy boy. <laughs> yeah, but he,
2: he has fun with it. Guy comes up to at least last year, right? He used milkshake. Right, is his uh, is his walk up song. So he uh, he embraces he embraces being a, a husky individual. Well, yeah, he All was right.
0: a former cub, and both at one time you had both him and a very much bigger Kyle Schwarber. He slimmed down Schwarber for a while. Vogelbach has not.
2: (laughs) No, Vogelbach has not. Enjoying the uh, Peter Luger stakes out in New York City. So the series is tied one apiece. We get to uh, game number three. That was on Wednesday, and it was uh, Kyle Hendricks throwing for the Cubs. Cubs looking to win their seventh straight series.
0: Yeah, everything was as predicted. We liked the Cubs' chances in games two. And and you start game three out with a bang. Christopher Morel batting leadoff, and he hits the first pitch he sees into the left field. Bleachers, the Cubs are up one nothing. Then in the second, Dustin, Say Suzuki, who's been in timeout lately, hit a triple and I love, and I love a... that
2: you're calling it timeout. <laughs> <laughs> he hit a
0: triple and scored on a pass ball to put the Cubs up 2 nothing. But then in the bottom of the fourth, Francisco Lindor hit a single and Pete Alonso was up and hit his fourth home run of the series. Dustin, I was so angry. I was so frustrated because I'm just asking why would you pitch to that guy in that situation? Now you, again, Lindor has been hot. We had him on the hot list. We talked about uh, um, the polar bear, but, but there's really one guy that's going to take you out of the yard and and is is danger. Everyone else in that lineup, you're not scared of. And why the worst possible outcome happened
2: right? The worst possible outcome happened with uh, Alonzo up to bat. I I just, I just, I just just don't, I just don't understand it. You're up two to nothing. The worst
0: possible thing that could happen happened. And, and, and and I I was thinking back in the glory days of 2016, the Cubs took on the nationals and then manager Joe Madden decided to take advantage of a slumping Ryan Zimmerman who is batting behind Bryce Harper. And Madden says, I'm not going to let Harper beat me. He walked him 13 times in a four game series including six times on that Sunday game, three of those walks intentional. What happened? Zimmerman went one for seven. He left 14 men on base. Javi Baez hits a walk-off home run on Mother's Day with that pink bat. I just don't – I don't know what Ross was thinking. I don't know why he just didn't say walk him. You know, what's one – run? if it's a two-run versus a three-run home run, what's the big deal about that, right?
2: Right. I don't. I don't understand it. And he blamed the walk ahead. He blamed the walk – Um, but it wasn't a walk. He, he, there was a, one of these games, they're all kind of clouding my brain, but he said the reason they threw to Alonzo was because the runner in front of Alonzo walked. And that was the
0: reason why they did that. Whatever reason it was, it was silly. Hendo went five innings. He gave up two runs on five hits, six Ks, two walks, but then Hayden Wesniski came in and did not record an out, The first battery faced, Jeff McNeil hit a solo home run to put the Mets ahead 3-2, to then gave up a double, a fielder's choice, and a single, and the Cubs were down 4-2, to and Wesneski's night was done. Dustin, were you surprised on how David Ross used Wesneski there?
2: Uh, Yes. Uh, High leverage situation, middle of the game. That's not something that I remember him doing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I missed that one. I I must have not been paying attention when Hayden Wesneski came in in a high leverage situation in the sixth inning. Um, it didn't work out. I hope they don't do that again anytime soon.
0: Right. And, and I, I think we, with Hayden and I think with Caleb Killian, they're trying to kind of try these guys out for different roles. But when you're in a pennant race, man, you, you know, you, and you've already dropped one game in the series. Now's it's not, the, it wasn't the time for me to tinker, but who knows? Yeah. Now the Cubs had one more chance to win this game. Say a Suzuki hit a solo home run to lead off the inning in the ninth. And the Cubs are now only down one run. Heimer Candelario singled and Mike Talkman walked. So the Cubs have runners at first and second and no outs. So David Ross decides, okay, uh, I'm going to pinch hit for Miguel Amaya, put Nick Madrigal in there. The Mets changed their pitchers, and Ross called on Madrigal to bunt. Now the bunt worked. The runners advanced to second and third, but now the Cubs had their first out. And Dustin, I I, I am not a huge fan of bunts, and that one just frustrated me. Um, I, I know that it frustrated you. You're not the only one.
2: It was a hot topic today on the Mully and Haw show. Gabe Ramirez was filling in for David Haw. I, I, I don't hate it. There were things that I disliked more like pitching uh, to Pete Alonzo, like putting Hayden Wisnitsky in, in a high pressure situation, but I understand the argument, but I didn't hate it as much as I hated other things in that game.
0: Right. And I guess for me, you take a look at who's up, right? So the next batter is Christopher Morrell. He has a high strikeout rate, right? So he strikes out for the second out. Now you got two outs. Nico, who you trust 100%, he walks to load the bases. But Ian Happ struck out swinging, game over. Suzuki three for four, though, with a triple and a home run candelario two for four but the team dustin was 0 for six with runners in scoring possession and left nine men on base you get one hit with a runner in scoring position you either have a tie game or you have the lead
2: right very 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 difficult to win a game when you're 0 for six with runners
0: in scoring position very difficult well, spend cubs, on spend on <laughs> but it's very difficult the cubs streak of six straight series ended in a disappointing thud in new york Did they run out of gas? I don't know. Wednesday night was the final day of a 16 straight uh, game days. They went 11 and five and that began July 25th. So no off days.
2: No, no off days. And again, if you tell me every 16 game days, they're going to go 11 and five, they'd have a really healthy lead. So I can't get too upset with them. I shouldn't, but that's just the way I am. Crowley.
0: I'm what have you done for me lately? Well, the one thing I will say is that Ross has been managing with a sense of urgency. When Seiya Suzuki was struggling, guess what? He put him on the bench, made him a platoon player, and had him work with hitting coaches and with his work on his mental approach. Hopefully that continues. Then, Dustin, before the last game with the Mets, David Ross announced that Drew Smiley will be pitching out of the pen. The Cubs just couldn't continue to allow him to lose game after game after game. Uh, pitching coach Tommy Hadovy, who's on the Mully and Hawes show, he's gonna be on next Wednesday. At right. 9 a.m., he said, I think some of the that just comes from a lack of confidence or consistency of doing it over and over again. Sometimes getting guys in the bullpen in short bursts to kind of reset and get your mind back into attacking the strike zone and simplifying things is the corner that you need to turn to realize, okay, now I'm feeling that success. So they're, they're addressing that issue. The one issue that I'm waiting for Ross to address, though, Ian Happ. In the finale, Dustin he went 0 for 5 with 2 Ks. One of those in the ninth with the bases loaded to end the game. When you look at Hap's numbers, I mean this is this has been a, a rough season. In the last seven games, he's slashing 143, 200, 286. Uh, it's it's you know he's definitely cold right now. But he has he's been cold most of the season right now. He's you know he's slashing 241, 367, but he has a 772 OPS. But I'm just thinking, you can't keep batting this guy third; it's nonstop.
2: No, you got to move him down. I hope that that's something that they talk about um, today, the off day, and uh, you know, first pitch isn't until you know six thirty, probably our time tomorrow night on Friday night. So hopefully, between now and then, they either give half a day off, and I'm not saying he hasn't earned it, and or they move him to you know at least fifth, move him right. down to
0: at least fifth in this lineup. You have Cody Bellinger, who is otherworldly right now, and he's batting like fifth, right? Right. And then fourth or also, fifth
2: lately, right. Mm-hmm. But right, that
0: fourth yeah. is new. He had been batting fifth and sixth a bunch this year. Right. And now they guy, got Heimer Candelario, who's also tearing it up. He's batting seventh most of the time. Makes absolutely no sense.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
1: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
2: You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. Pete Alonzo pounds the Cubs. It's season two. It's episode 60. And in this segment, Crowley interviews Matthew Trueblood, writer and editor at Northside Baseball, to discuss some issues the Cubs
0: are working on right now. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, writer and editor of Northside Baseball, Matt Trueblood. Matt, how you doing today?
3: Doing great. Good to be here.
0: was a little bit of a nail biter last night, to say the least, huh?
3: Yeah, I mean, really, you hardly have to bite your nails anymore with Adbert. He's been so impressive. But going through the heart of the Mets lineup with a one-run lead on the road, another another notch in his belt
0: right and and tonight is interesting because they are going to be facing a lefty and so that means Seiya suzuki is going to be in the lineup and you wrote an article that caught my eye the other day about seya suzuki now i know last season was going to be tough for the guy right new country new culture new city new teammates new league I wasn't expecting much but i did have high hopes for this season. And it hasn't panned out. And you wrote about this. I mean, seiya has lost his starting spot for the time being. What do you see going on right now with Sia Suzuki?
3: I think it's a couple of things. And you're right to point out, you know, we can't make excuses on this kind of basis forever for him. But uh, if you even go back to when he first came over, well, that was the lockout truncated spring training. And then this year, because of the oblique injury, he didn't really have a spring training. And I think we've seen frequently during his time in the States um, a timing issue where his his swing, he's very good at adjusting mid-swing and getting the bat to the ball. But when he does that, he tends to give up a lot of his power, a lot of the authority of his contact. On other occasions, we've seen him really scorch the ball. So we know that power is in there. He's not getting to it right now because I think the way his swing is engineered, he has to guess right. He has to know what's coming and, and roughly where it is to put the good part of the bat on the ball consistently. Mm. And he's just not able to do it. And that's got some to do with, again, timing stuff. Um, it's got to do with approach. He's a very patient hitter, but I think we're, we're bordering on maybe even past the border of too patient. Um, so he's got to make some significant adjustments. And I think some of them might have to wait for the off season but I also think there are some things that they're hoping Mm -hmm. by giving him more time off here on a matchup basis, just tactically, but also to sort of reset and maybe, uh, rethink his approach that he's going to be able to take that even in the, the short term of the stretch run here and hopefully get back on track. Maybe not the guy we all envisioned or, or hoped for, especially coming into this season. Like you said, I, I had high hopes for him too. Um, but something more consistent than what he's been this year,
0: right? And you're talking this is year two of a five year deal, and and he's he's taken up in right field. He's taken up, you know, uh, um, a position that you traditionally look for power for. And once again, I mean, uh, in your article, you kind of talk about a lot of the power that he's having. Unfortunately, is going right into the ground.
3: Yeah, yeah. And again, that's part of you know his swing and the way specifically that he'll adjust. He gets a good bat speed going, but he does not want to swing and miss. And he just sort of very naturally adjusts his his bat path, his hand path mid swing when he sees, you know, catches sight of some spin or some cue that tells him, oh, this isn't the pitch I was expecting. That can be a good thing, but it also tends to mean that he's either hitting sort of lofted sort of flares, looping liners. We've seen a lot of those singles that are going to be singles all the way but they're never going to be doubles from him you know where Mm -hmm. he, he sort of scoops it over the infield and we've seen a lot of like 110 mile an hour ground balls what we need to start seeing more of is 110 mile an hour fly balls right and i know that's a lot to ask but but something in that general range is what you're trying to produce more consistently in the major leagues and i think some of that is an approach change that he's having to make mentally from what he had a lot of success with in npb um some of it is dealing with you know mm-hmm. he's had multiple injuries that have interrupted his his opportunities to get playing time and get in the rhythm um but at a, at a certain point again he's got to perform or right now the cubs have a lot of good options and he does just have to just slide to the bench even if it's only most of the time for the next couple of months
0: Were you surprised at how quick kind of David Ross made that decision as far as as benching him? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it?
3: I feel like Ross really flipped a switch. You know, the last couple of years, there wasn't a lot a trusted veteran and especially a highly paid veteran could do to, you know, lose their job under David Ross. And I think whether he was taking a cue from the front office or he was taking a cue from his own players, surging the way they did right before the deadline and forcing the front office to buy. Um, Things have made a sudden sort of a quick change where, yeah, now everybody's being held accountable. Now Trey Mancini's out. Now Patrick Wisdom's not going to see the field unless and until he earns it all back. Now, yeah, I mean, Nick Madrigal's been playing better than, say, Suzuki, so you get another versatile piece in Jamer Candelario and you use it to nudge Suzuki out of the lineup instead of Madrigal the way maybe we all envisioned it does surprise me a bit, but it's certainly a good thing, you know, as opposed to even earlier this year when he just kept running out Mancini and even Eric Hosmer.
0: Oh yeah. And, 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 and the other thing that I kind of wonder is, is it seems to me like Seiya really puts a lot of pressure on himself mentally. And, you know, it, we, we both know, everyone knows baseball is a game of failure. You're going to have your failures, but you can't let, uh, the last at bat impact, the next one, you got to be ready and clear your head. And it seems to me like he just gets so down on himself that, that he can kind of get himself in these funks.
3: Yeah. Without getting into the trap of assuming we know more about his personality than we do. He really seems like an intense guy. And that's the personality of this whole positional core they've assembled, right? Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, Ian Hap, Seiya Suzuki, Those four want it bad and they they hold themselves Mm. to extremely high standards. And I kind of wonder, you know, and again, not to to pretend to know things I don't know about the inner workings, but it's got to be hard when you're Japanese, you're coming here, it's not your first language that most of the clubhouse is speaking. And it's not even a language that most of the clubhouse is at least mildly conversant in, like Spanish, right? There's got to be a little bit of an isolating or a lonely feeling of, I'm struggling. I demand way more of myself. And it's hard to just have those, you know, to chop it up with a couple of guys, even though I know they all want to do that and they all work together as best they can. I'm sure that's another element to it where it's just hard when you're a person who's as driven and as, again, demanding of himself as Saya is to not necessarily have some of the outlets that some of the other players in that clubhouse might have.
0: So David Ross did mention that, that he's starting tonight against the Mets, against David Peterson, a lefty. So do you believe that this is a good start or a good step to get Suzuki back on track? Yeah. I mean, he's
3: really, ever since, since the weekend, he's had, I don't know, three or four games off, but for a pinch hit appearance or two, that should yeah. be enough time for the mental reset, for the basic stuff you want to do. Like I said, I think there are things about his swing or his approach that may have to bleed into the offseason to say now we have time. We can get you into a different timing pattern. We can maybe adjust uh, the relationship between your hips and your shoulders in terms of rotation. That stuff might need to wait, but there are some cues that he can probably lock in on over these few days, working with the hitting coaches, working in the cages, because you still want him to be a valuable weapon down the stretch here. It's just going to be And again, this is a good problem because of the way Mike Talkman is playing, you end up only needing him in a sort of role player position rather than hoping that he was going to back clean up every day, which is where we were when we came into the season.
0: Uh, Yeah. Now, another issue that you discussed, and it was I saw a conversation between you and Greg Zumak. Greg has been on the show before, but having to do with inning loads, right? Justin Steele recently has pitched more innings this season then he has his entire career. And for those of us that were brutally scarred by what happened with Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor in 2003, you know, it, it, it is something when these young guys are throwing more than they ever have in the past. And, you know, you, you have an injury to Marcus Stroman. You you've had um, you had uh, struggles with Smiley, not going deep. And then in the first half of the season, it was Tyone not being able to pitch and go deep how concerned are you with some of the young arms that the Cubs have and the uh, and the amount of innings that they've uh, thrown so far?
3: With Steele specifically, I'm not especially concerned. And I, I want to clarify some of the differences that exist between, again, you know, those cases that have traumatized us on this one. Justin Steele is 27, 28 years old. It's yeah. not like Kerry Wood. And – What we might even count as pitcher abuse these days, which Justin Steele hasn't even undergone. I mean, this last start against Atlanta was easily the most grueling of his career, and it would have been like an average start for Mark Pryor in 2003.
0: Wasn't 123 pitches. (laughs) Right.
3: (laughs) I mean, they were getting into the 130s on the regular, and on hot days, they'd be working eight innings. This is not that. And Steele, again, is older. He's out of what... Sabermetric people used to call the injury nexus where once you're 25 26 the structures in especially your shoulder and even your elbow are just a little more fully formed and and set and that doesn't mean he's safe from injury and I don't want to create a false sense of security for people but it's also inevitable that the Cubs have to lean on Justin Steele down the stretch this is a team that's in a position to win if the playoffs and if the season ended today they're in playoff position right you can't quit on that team And you can't ask the ace of that team to throttle way back or start piggybacking him or skipping his turn in the rotation, when, especially when the other co-ace of the team is on the injured list and wasn't reliable even before that. So we have a lot of uncertainty about when he gets back. They have to keep sending him out there. I think they'll lengthen out the rotation, use six guys here and there, try and give him some extra rest. But, you know, you can't, you just can't coddle people at this stage given where he is in his service time progression what his age is and I think especially that dude's a bulldog he wants to be out there so just let him be out there
0: but you mentioned a six-man rotation and that 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 gets interesting um now we're about what a couple weeks out a little bit more like what three three and a half weeks out from expanded rosters but it's not the old school expanded rosters (laughs) remember where you you basically couldn't fit everyone into the dugout They limit that now. Talk to our listeners about those limits that's going to occur on September 1st. Yeah.
3: So obviously it's, it's very different. It used to expand from 25 to 40 on September 1 and few teams called up their entire 40 man roster. That was impractical, but by the end of the year, teams would have 32 or 33 guys, even for a contending team that didn't have a lot of playing time to spread around. Suddenly you had two tactical pinch runners and your bullpen had four extra guys, including two long men who had been starters in AAA, all that is gone. You carry 26 most of the year. On September 1st, it becomes 28. Two extra slots, and you need to preserve the same balance where you're not allowed to have more than half your roster be pitchers. That rule applies throughout the season, and it applies in September. So they can basically call up one position player and one pitcher on September 1. That helps. Um, There's still quite a bit of help in that depending on how you choose to use it. It can be that extra starter to go six, maybe when you're at a soft point in the schedule or you play 16 straight days like the Cubs are in the middle of right now. Um, Or it can be an extra short reliever so that if you need to pull, you know, Drew Smiley in the third inning of a game, you're able to get through what becomes a bullpen game without zapping your bullpen for the following day. Either way, that does help. Um, but it's not the same degree or kind of change that we used to see.
0: Now, when you talk about a six starter, you know, the Cubs have options and that that's a good thing, right? Like, so, you know, I I saw what Hayden was the other day. I thought he pitched really well against a very, very good Braves lineup. Uh, Javier Assad has been an unsung hero of this team. You know, he, he struggled to start the season after a fantastic world baseball classic, but now he's looking more and more like that guy we saw in the WBC could you see a couple starts where Asad and Wesnicki maybe piggyback and try to go
3: 6-7? Yeah,
0: I think especially
3: if they um, if they get Strowman back and he looks more like his first half self, which I think a lot rides on that anyway. Um, they may try to piggyback one of those guys with Drew Smiley, try to get the other one through five innings here and there. Um, it, it also helps that they just recalled Caleb Killian, and I think with a little more faith than they've had the last couple times they've had to call on him uh, in the major leagues, Killian can now sort of fill a long relief role in the bullpen, which frees up a Wesneski or an Assad to make those spot starts and be treated more as a, a part of the rotation or that now old-fashioned. You know, when when I was a kid, it was a normal thing to have, but nowadays the swing man is almost a role that's gone from the game. Well, I think that's yeah. where Wesneski and Assad are now. Uh, now that Killian can take up the permanent sort of long relief role in the pen.
0: So you wrote an article on North Starhead Baseball recently about Caleb Killian. He's you know uh, when when you talk about Killian, that was the Chris Bryant trade, and, yeah. uh, and 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 we're we're looking at him, and you know he came up once against Miami, and I thought it was like I thought they put him in a bad position. He he his he was off on his on his uh, rotation and all that stuff. What's the difference between cuz Caleb came in the other day I believe and it was bases loaded no outs and and he gave up one run. I mean that's pretty darn good in my book. But what, what do you, what do you think the differences are between the Caleb Killian we saw in uh Miami versus what's happened since then?
3: Yeah, there's a few of them. Um and it's a it's a good thing. I don't I don't want to pretend that he's transformed back into the top prospect that Maybe we all briefly dreamed on last May or June, but uh, this guy has made some real progression as the year's gone on. His fastballs picked up about a mile and a half of velocity or a mile and a half per hour since May. So that's important right away. He's also getting more comfortable. The tension for him when he first came over from the Giants was between, do you let him be this sort of sinker cutter guy, or do you try to get him because he has sort of a up high arm slot. Do you try to get him, throwing a four-seamer that rides to the top of the zone, the more uh, trendy kind of pitcher in the, in the big leagues these days. He really got lost in the weeds trying to decide which of those two he was going to be and sort of going back and forth in between them. And then there's a final step when you realize that you might be one of those pitchers who needs to just be able to do both without in, you being excellent in either by themselves. And that is a tough sort of integration process. He's completed it. Now he's comfortable with his four seamer. He's comfortable with his sinker. He knows how to use them both against right handers and left handers, which pitches they set up and which they don't, where he can have success locating them. And also he's just made a slight change to his release point. That's giving him not only more velocity, but more ride on that fastball so that he can access a little bit of the top of the zone that he might not have been able to before. Um, his numbers were pretty strong in AAA, and that's a league right now that is in chaos for pitchers because the automatic strike zone they're calling is teeny tiny, especially where what we would call the top of the zone in the major leagues. Stops way lower. He was able to overcome that. So clearly he's figured out a lot of things in a short amount of time. It doesn't mean he's going to be a superstar. He still doesn't have really what I would call a standout secondary pitch at this point, but he's gotten comfortable with the, the cutter, his pitch mix looks a lot like a Javier Assad's or a Albert Alzalai's at this point. I don't want to overexcite people by mentioning those comps because obviously they look great this year, but I think that's the range of success that he might finally settle into. And it's just going to be that it took a little longer than we might have imagined, just as it did with Alzalai.
0: Right now, Assad was Niski and Killian on the roster right now pitching. Two guys in AAA: Jordan Wicks and Ben Brown. We've had Ben Brown on this show. Great kid. You know, you you think that one of those two are going to be the pitchers that's going to be called up on September 1st. As of right now, who do you think has the inside track and what can we expect from both of those guys?
3: Yeah, that, that one's tricky, and I think a lot of it depends on Brown's health. He's on the injured list in Iowa right now with a lat issue that isn't considered a, a super serious one, but you just never know, right? Once a guy goes on the shelf, I'm not going to count him as – as ready to potentially be promoted to the majors till he gets off the shelf and shows you that he's still got the same stuff and command. Um, I think Brown, if he checks off those boxes, has that inside track just because he's already on the 40 man roster and he'd been pitching in AAA longer before hitting the injured list than Wicks has been since he was promoted from A. Those are two very important advantages. Um, so I would probably lean Brown. I think, it's it's quite possible. You know, we're still three weeks out, even from September 1st. But I think right on September 1, you could see a reliever called up instead. Someone like Bailey Horn, the lefty reliever who's been looking pretty good most of the time lately. <laughs> or even Tyler Duffy, the veteran reliever who, his stuff is way down, but he's having success in Iowa. He's the kind of pitcher that the Cubs find and sometimes manage to do stuff with, even though their fastball is underwhelming. Um, you could see one of them come up right away. And then maybe in the second week of September sometime, that's when, whether it's Wicks or Brown, the one who's sort of proved themselves ready does come up and and make a spot start and maybe stick with the team the rest of the year.
0: Well, we got some things to be looking out for right now. So, you know, we're going to be watching the start tonight and see what say it does. We're going to be watching these pitchers and seeing if Ross goes with the six man rotation, Matt, I appreciate you jumping on. Where can our listeners find you on social media and where can they read your work?
3: Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter X, whatever we're going to call it at M a Trueblood, And most importantly, the website that I help run and write on just about daily is Northside We got a good thing growing there
0: and hope you'll stop by. I, I love the articles. It's why I wanted to have you on, Matt. I appreciate you. And hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future. Same to you. Thanks
1: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: This is segment three of season two of episode 60 of the Fly the W podcast. It is Pete Alonzo pounding the Cubs. And Crowley, I hope your Thursday is going better than the Cubs' uh, Wednesday went out in New York, unless you were Pete Alonzo. Let's uh, talk about the uh, news, the roster moves. We'll preview the Blue Jays. We'll talk some hot and not, but uh, one of the big days on the Crowley calendar, the announcement of CubsCon.
0: Well, yeah, when we do have an announcement with CubsCon, it was kind of surprising because it was very last minute. It was like the email came out yesterday and the tickets were put on sale today. So Cubs Convention, if you're not aware, it's every Martin Luther King weekend. This is going to be the 37th annual CubsCon. It's going to be January 12th to the 14th. They're going to have autograph sessions, panel discussions with Cubs legends, players and coaches, the Cubs authentic auctions where you can pick up some great memorabilia player meet and greets interactive interactive exhibits and my favorite Cubs Con Bingo where Dustin if you remember from last season the big Trey Mancini announcement happened.
2: Yeah, it didn't unfor- it didn't work out unfortunately. I like Trey Mancini. I think the guy's the goods but uh hey, listen. Um maybe we'll uh, do a, a preview piece, you know, in December or something and we'll uh we'll take a guess. We'll put some odds up on who the uh who the Cubs might sign during Cubs Con Bingo.
0: Now, the other thing that's exciting is the Cubs announced the what they're going to be doing for the Hall of Fame ceremonies. If you remember CubsCon last year, Tom Ricketts announced Sean Dunstan and Mark Grace are going to be the two newest inductees into the Cubs Hall of Fame. Last year, if you remember, they just rushed through it, I felt. It was one day. It was Pat Hughes. It was, um, uh, God, with the afro. It was Pat Hughes. It was... It was um, Buck O'Neill. Buck O'Neill,
2: gosh, what are we thinking of here? He's got like the famous baseball card.
0: He's got the famous fro, and it's absolutely skipping my mind right now, but I'll get there. Um, But what they're going to be doing this weekend is going – Jose Cardinal. Jose Cardinal. knew it would pop Uh up. Uh-huh. But they're going to be doing something really cool this weekend where they're going to focus one day on Sean Dunstan – one day on Mark Grace and then one day for both of them. So the Friday's game is going they're going to have the whole week and they're going to have a pop-up stand where that where if you it's in between the cub store and there's like a little golf store and it's where all the different Mark D stuff is they're going to have um All sorts of uh, uh, great archive stuff, archival stuff that you could see like rings and Ernie Banks' MVP award and Pat Hughes' Ford Frick award will be on display. So there's going to be a lot of great opportunities to see some Cubs history. Anyone that knows me knows the fact that the Cubs do not have a museum is one of those things that drives me absolutely batty. Um, But on Friday, they're going to be celebrating Sean Dunstan. There is a giveaway that day, the Nike City Connect jerseys for the first 10,000 fans. Season ticket holders will get their picture with Sean Dunstan. Oh, and, look at you. Yeah. There's going to be some special on-field recognition for Shawan, and so that's going to be exciting. On Saturday, there's going to be a Harry Carey bobblehead given out for the first 10000 and a photo session with season ticket holders and Mark Grace, so they'll, that'll be going on. And then Sunday, pregame, they're going to have um, – the players are going to get their plaques in the left field concourse of the bleachers. They're going to get on field recognition and they're going to uh, do the seventh inning stretch. You want to get there early because they're going to have Sean Dunstan and Mark Grace pins for the first 10,000 early arriving fans. So an exciting weekend of baseball that I will be very much looking forward to. You know what I want to see? I want to see
2: Dunstan and grace in full cub gear circa, uh, you know, 1980 ish. And, um, and and see like a fungo hit to Dunstan and a fire a ball off to grace who gives it a stretch in the stirrups.
0: Now, now a lot of those guys years, their big years came in the nineties. So would you want the Cuba Jersey with that weird looking bear? Remember that Jersey? It looked like it said, Cuba instead of Cubs. Yeah, I do remember
2: that. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I maybe dated myself more than nineties and the eighties, but yeah, that would be fun to see
0: the two of them, uh, you know, Dunstan to grace once more. Absolutely. Now, unfortunately, after this weekend in New York, um, the Cubs are still in second place, but just by like basically the tiebreaker. They're they have one less loss, and so Milwaukee's at first sixty-two and fifty-four. The Cubs at fifty-nine and fifty-six. They're cooling down. They're six and four in their last ten. They had been eight and two for a while. The Reds are struggling. They're lost two in a row, and they're two and eight in their last ten. They're going the wrong way, and then Pittsburgh and St. Louis. They're still trying, so good for them, right? Good for them. They're trying, they're not giving up. Now, unfortunately for the wild card situation, the Cubs if the playoffs ended today would not be in the wild card because Miami took 2 of 3 this weekend, and so they have hopped over the Cubs and the Reds. So the three wild card teams now Philadelphia, San Fran and Miami. The Cubs are 0.5 games back on that last wild card spot and 4 games back of Philadelphia. I still think the division is the way to get into the postseason.
2: Yeah, more than likely that is the way to do it. Um, Let's talk a little bit, a little uh, one roster move. We know for sure another roster move we're hoping for good news that we will hopefully get on Friday.
0: Yeah, Ryan Jemsen was claimed off waivers by the Mariners. He was a right-handed pitcher, the Cubs' first-round pick, 27th overall in the 2019 draft. That moves the 40-man roster down to 38, so it gives the Cubs some wiggle room. But that's never a good thing to lose your first round pick and get nothing for him. But um, that 2019 draft was not good for the Cubs. And that, after that draft, Jason McLeod was moved out of the role of the draft. And they, Dan Kantrovitz was put in charge of that. And so you're starting to see some churning between, uh, uh, you know, the new Kantrovich guys are taking up a lot more of the roster spots and positions. So we'll see what happens.
2: Now, the news we're waiting on, the big news, right? We need Marcus Stroman back in this rotation, assuming it's not the Marcus Stroman of the last four or five starts.
0: He got his cortisone shot, so he threw 40 pitches in the pen. Hope is that he only misses one start. He is able, eligible to return on Saturday, um, not Saturday, August 16th, so about a week That's from Wednesday. Today. That's Wednesday. Wednesday, yep. So hopefully he can go back to being the Marcus Stroman of the first half.
2: All right. Let's hopefully the hip is good. Let's hope the blister's on the fingers are all cleared up, and let's hope it's uh, uh, onward and upward for him. All right, Cubs, Blue Jays, Crawley starting on Friday uh, outside of the country, up in Toronto.
0: Yes, the Blue Jays last season finished with a record of ninety-two and seventy, good for second place in the AL East and home field in the wild card round of the playoffs. But they were swept in the playoffs by the Mariners, four nothing in ten to nine. Offseason, they added Dalton Varsho as center fielder, right-handed pitcher Chris Bassett, first baseman Brandon Belt, center fielder Kevin Kiermaier, right-handed pitcher Chad Green, right-handed pitcher Eric Swanson. Remember Dustin wanting Kevin Kiermaier? Hey, I guess it worked out good for the Cubs. They didn't get him. Yeah, um, I do remember that name. Yep. <laughs> key losses, right fielder Teoscar Hernandez, left fielder Lourdes Guriel, catcher Gabriel Moreno, right-handed pitcher Ross Stripling. This season, the Blue Jays are 65 and 51, good for third place. That puts them in third in the AL East behind the Orioles and Rays. Unreal. Imagine the Cubs'
2: record at that, and if they were, you know, had that record in the National League Central, where they would, how, how we would be feeling right now?
0: We'd be we'd be cruising on easy street, my friend. Yes, we would. One thing to pay attention to is the defense of the Blue Jays. They are currently the best defensive team in baseball with a DRS of 60 runs. That's 60 runs saved while the Cubs are tied for third in DRS with 31 runs saved. So you can see the big difference even between first and third place.
2: Oh, yeah. Big, big difference.
0: Now, they did wrap up a four-game series that they split with the Guardians, so they are definitely probably landed already in Toronto.
2: Yep, they're back home. They'll get to sleep in their own beds. Cubs are sleeping in a very nice hotel in Toronto. So both teams should be ready to go tomorrow night for game number one.
0: Yep. So game number one, we are taking a look here at Javier Assad and Jose Barrios. For those of you um, who are wondering, it is on Apple TV. So if you don't have Apple TV, or even if you do, turn on 670 The Score and listen to Pat and Ron. Always Whoa. good
2: advice. Always good advice.
0: I've been using the Odyssey app more and more depending on when I'm out, you know. So if I'm out somewhere and I, you know, I, and I'm kind of just hanging out, going for a walk, playing some Frisbee golf or something, I'll throw it on the Odyssey app and listen while I'm walking around. Um, nice. Javier Assad gets the start. It is his ste- second, it's going to be his third start of the season. Um, he started two games so far, one time as an opener. But this is a guy that really um, has lately been picking up the slack from J Mo and some of the guys, not J Mo, from uh, Drew Smiley. Yep. And so uh, he's what last start again, or his last game he pitched in was against Atlanta. He went 3.2 innings, gave up five hits and two earned runs. He pitched 3.2 innings against the Reds. He gave up one hit, zero earned runs. And against St. Louis, he only pitched 0.1 innings and did not give anything up. So that's okay, right? It's not great. It's
2: not bad. We're hoping, we're hoping for a world baseball classic version, right?
0: Absolutely. He's going to be going up against Jose Barrios, known as La Maquina. I think he was Javi Baez's brother-in-law. if I I got that right, but he's 9-7 and with the 338. The Cubs are going to have their work cut out for them. This is a good pitching and defense team. Um, His last start against Boston, Berrios went 5.2 innings, gave up six hits, three earned runs, struck out six and walked none. Against the Angel, he only gave up one run in six innings. And against the Dodgers, he went only five innings. He gave up two earned runs, but he also struck out three and walked four, so his pitch count was a little bit elevated on that one.
2: Yeah, hopefully uh, Javier Assad can do a good job. It'll be interesting to see who follows him, but fingers crossed on game number one. Game number two, always nice to see Justin Steele in the uh, slot of the uh, starting pitcher for the Cubs.
0: It's our security blanket right now, Dustin, as far go. as starting pitching is concerned. But he is 13 and three with a 2.68 ERA. Uh, right, his last game he pitched was against Atlanta. He gave up three runs in 6.1 innings. He had seven strikeouts, but he also had four walks. He'd like to see that down. Against Cincinnati on 8-1, he went six innings pitch. He only gave up three earned runs, no walk, six strikeouts. That was good to see. And against St. Louis, he went six innings, gave up one earned run, four strikeouts, and three walks. So really kind of be watching those walks. like to limit those. Yep. Those always get you into trouble. And who's he facing, Crawley? He will be facing Chris Bassett, 11-6. 387. It's, I like this because it, it's, it's an, another one of those measuring sticks that we talk about. If Justin Steele wants to be an all star and an ace, he's going to have to win these kind of big pitching matchups right here. So Bassett is 11 and six with a 387 ERA. Last three games against Boston, he gave up only one earned run in seven innings, struck out six. Against Baltimore, he went six innings, gave up only, uh, he gave up four earned runs in that one, seven strikeouts, two walks. And against the Dodgers, he went five innings, gave up four hits, two earned runs.
2: All right. So, you know, he's doing pretty well. Not fantastic. Not awful. Good, You know, good enough. Like to have a guy, you'd like to have a Chris Bassett in in the Cubs rotation. So, unfortunately, he is going up against Justin Steele. So, we'll hope for the best game. Three, though, Jamison Taillon. That guy's been doing it for the Cubs lately.
0: Jamison Tyone has been dealing and God, you know, he he, boy, I hope he pitches in Toronto like he pitches in New York. When you talk about Tyone, he's seven and six with a five seventeen ERA. I mean, if he has another good game, his ERA is going to be below five. So his ERA was close to eight. So he's almost cut his ERA in half at this point. Against the Mets, seven innings pitch. He gave up only two earned runs, seven strikeouts, and no walks. Phenomenal. Against Cincinnati, five innings, gave up two earned runs, five strikeouts, two walks. And against St. Louis, six innings pitched, one earned run, four strikeouts. So he has been absolutely solid for the Cubs lately.
2: Yeah, uh, very, very good. Glad to see it. Seems like a good guy. He was on uh, Inside the Clubhouse last weekend. If you didn't catch that interview, I highly recommend it to all of the listeners. Uh, Take a listen. I think you will like what you hear uh, inside the clubhouse every Saturday
0: morning with uh, Bruce and my guy, David Haw. Right. He's going to be going up against Jin Ryu. He's only making his third start of this season, coming off Tommy John injury. So his first game was 8-1 on Baltimore against Baltimore. He went five innings, gave up nine hits, four earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. But he did much better against Cleveland. He only went four innings, but he did not give up any hits, any earned runs, struck out two and walked one. So this is a guy coming off injury. We don't know what to expect out of him. He had one good start, one bad start. So, this is going to be a mystery, and, and, and so the Cubs are going to have to be aware of that.
2: Absolutely. Pay attention. Never know what's going to happen. All right. Who's hot? Who's not? And we don't even have to, you know, it's, it's, it's a rinse and repeat. Hot, Cody Bellinger.
0: <laughs> Cody Bellinger. He's 10 for his last 20. He's slashing 500, 545, 750 with one home run and five RBIs. Also hot, Mike Talkman, six for his last 17 with a home run and an RBI. Slashing 353 476 529 and Hymer Candelario seven for his last 21, slashing 333, 391, 571. Well, that's pretty good. Correct. But on the flip side, on the knot, this was this Even was I you know
2: the knot, but I'll let you handle it.
0: But this was the problem in New York. You had Christopher Morel go two for his last 17 with uh, 10 strikeouts and five walks, slashing 118, 318, 294. Ian Happ is three for his last 26, slashing 115, 115, 221. And Dansby Swanson, two for his last 21. Um, he has one home run and four RBIs, but he's slashing 0.095, 0.136, 0.286. Those are three, your designated hitter, and your number three hitter, and your number five hitter. You got three guys like that, that struggling. Yeah, it's
2: amazing. Uh, it's amazing that you're, you've been doing what you've been doing considering – considering all that. And unfortunately, we've also been, when we do this hot part, we have been pointing out the hot player for the opposing team. And it seems like uh, in recent memory, that hot player has
0: continued to stay hot. Yeah, we needed these guys to cool down. But right now, George Springer is hot, 12 for his last 24 with a home run and four RBIs, slashing 500, 519, 750. Davis Schneider, second baseman, is nine for his last 19 with two home runs and five RBIs. He's slashing 474, Five sixty-five, seven eighty-nine.
2: Now that that's pretty good.
0: Yep, but on the not side, Danny Jensen, their catcher, is two for his last fifteen with no home runs, and no RBI, slashing one thirty-three, two thirty-five, one thirty-three. And then a name you all remember, Paul DeYoung, he used to be with the yeah. Cardinals. Unfortunately, he used to seem to beat up on the Cubs, but right now he's struggling. Two for his last twenty-four. He's slashing point oh eight three, point oh eight three, point oh eight three. So. Not good right now. Let's hope
2: he holds form uh, as he's been so far for the Jays. Let's hope that's what happens. All right, Crowley, it's prediction time.
0: All righty. This is going to be a tough one. I, I, I think that Toronto is a really, really good team. They're playing at home. They got pitching and defense. Um, I see the Cubs taking one of three. I like the uh, Justin Steele matchup. And that third game to me is going to be interesting as far. That's one that I kind of been sitting around trying to kick around because I don't know what Ryu's going to do.
2: Right. Well, it one and three makes a whole lot of sense. I was thinking that, but I'm just, I'm going to go two for three. I'm going to stay optimistic. I like game three more than I like game two. So I'm going to say the Cubs, take two out of three so let's hope I'm right and let's hope you are wrong Crowley that's a wrap don't forget to listen download review and subscribe to the fly the w podcast follow us on the socials fly the w on facebook also instagram of course on twitter you can email us fly 670 at gmail.com and you can watch us on youtube by subscribing to the 670 the
0: score youtube channel hopefully the cubs can conquer the canadians the toronto blue jays and we can all cheer go cubs it's all over